totally defeats the purpose of the lottery. If if the lottery was you pay in a dollar and every time you get back a dollar, no one no one wants the lottery anymore. I don't. Okay, like this. so maybe maybe lottery is maybe more like uh, what's those little gachapon machines where you get the little toy out of okay, it? Okay, so yeah, like... gachapons are very frustrating. Same thing. You're you're not getting the the five star characters every time, and then why are you even engaging with the frustrating mechanic? But since since we're starting to talk about whether an, a truly ethical society is more or less like a fair gachapon mechanic, we're, you're probably listening to the Big Bang Theory theory. Hi, this is Nick. And I'm Kyle, and, and I fucking hated this episode today. Holy shit, coming in strong. Just uh, letting you know, I, god damn, I can't, we can't keep doing, you want to talk about choices that people make that put them in places, or don't, like, we can't say we didn't choose to be here, I chose to be here, but today, from the second this episode started, I was just like, why, it, it, this can't possibly be what is really, I I chose this. Did I yeah. really choose this? Is this it, is, is the thing I'm having we do a bit of a rock. Those things we can't be mad at anyone else for. <laughs> like to be fair, I want to be clear. I don't think this is the worst episode we ever watched, but it was just the time and the place, and then it's you know it's Christmas time. It really felt a little like hitting rock bottom to me. Just finding this episode, just waiting for me today as I'm just trying to go about my day and have a decent day. Wow. All right, so uh, first off, if you're new to the show, we watch the television series The Big Bang Theory, and sometimes it elicits feelings like Kyle just had, and so realistically, we end up talking about the show itself as little as possible and then recommend other things we actually enjoy, but Kyle, uh, if you had to rate that somehow on an arbitrary rating scale of your choosing, how would you rate it? Like a three. Okay. You know, I'm going to give this one... God, I hate to be so milk toast, but I'm going to go back up to like a 6 out of 13. Oh, I think God. this was another middle-of-the-road substantive, but nonetheless, like, more or less joke-free episode. Though, Subst- uh, well, I'll just let you talk. Just go ahead. Okay, I'll, I'll give our short summary, and then you can let loose your, your, your true emotions. But um, Actually, can I give the summary? Because I feel like the summary will also contain everything. I'm excited for up. this, because hey... Listen up, gang. I, I burnt my throat on some hot kimchi soup the other day. Jesus and so Christ. The less talking I do, the better. Sheldon, take it up. Not Sheldon. Oh, good. God. Fuck you. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck you. Ah, it's finally come to fruition. The true Burn feelings about each other. Kyle, please tell us uh, what happened and go ahead and let your feelings fly. Are you ready? Are you ready for this monumental so. novel? I don't think anyone is. No but. one has ever. You can't even imagine the crazy shit that they get up. The oh, show this is about season five, episode eighteen, the werewolf transformation. Yeah, this show that has so many possibilities. That is about you know these incredibly intelligent and funny people just getting up to all sorts of hijinks. And what happens in this one? Sheldon does not get his haircut for most of the episode. That's it. That's all. Sheldon goes in to get his haircut. His barber isn't there. He doesn't like the person who is there instead of the barber because it's the barber's nephew who is also a barber. But he's like, you're not the guy who usually cuts my hair and I'm somewhere on the spectrum. So I can't have my hair cut by you. So I'm going to leave now. And you're like, oh, please, God, let that be the cold open and then let the actual episode be about something completely different. Please don't let this be the only through line for this entire fucking episode. Please, God, don't do this to me. I've been having a rough week. And then do you know what the rest of the episode is about? It's still about that. It's Sheldon walking around being like, oh, my hair's a little long. I'm such a hippie now. 
now that my hair is like a half a femtometer longer. Oh, what am I going to do? Oh, my hair. I'm such a hippie. Oh, I can't. Life has no meaning if I can't get my hair cut on schedule. I guess I'm going to live a life of anarchy. And then next thing you know, he's just running. He's playing bongos at 3 a.m. in the morning, which is admittedly the one funny part of the episode, I guess, in an obnoxious way that goes on too many times. But that's literally it. The episode goes from Sheldon can't get his hair cut by a new person to Sheldon is still bitching about having not get his hair to Sheldon is in the hospital trying to get the man who is in a coma to wake up so he can get his hair cut to Sheldon's inability to process the concept of other people cutting your hair because he apparently does not, you know, understand the transference of like services from different people. Well, he's very know. concerned about his haircut records. Yes. So goddamn concerned about his haircut records. So he decides life is meaningless. He's going to live an existentialist existence where he does whatever he wants. So he ends up playing the bongos at 3 a.m. And then he gets kicked out of his apartment, goes to Amy's, falls asleep. Eventually, Penny's like, let me cut your hair. He's like, fine. Penny cuts his hair. She fucks it up. Also, Wallowitz goes to astronaut training, but he sucks at it. That's the whole episode. That's it. That's all that happens. Did I leave anything substantive or important out? I think you hit all the big points. I think I have a few places I would push back as far as interpretation goes. But yeah, that those are the big points. Yes, Kyle, I'm sorry that whatever Sheldon is going through has obviously hit nerves inside of you that are raw. But I, I feel like one of the few things that I did enjoy about this episode is that Sheldon does essentially become a nihilist. And I feel like if there were a more fine focus on that, that this would have been a lot more fun of an episode. But I did really like the idea that um, because he, he can't get his haircut from his favorite barber who is in a coma and like a week goes by and he gets upset because uh, he realizes that even though it's been like a week without his regularly scheduled haircut, uh, that nothing terrible has happened. And so all of a sudden, like, he realizes that, like, all of his OCD behaviors that keep the entire world in order don't actually do or mean anything. And he, for the first time in his life, is free. Uh, and I was really looking forward to that going somewhere. And I'll settle for Spider-Man 3 symbiote Sheldon. He, I'll settle for him having slightly longer hair and just being kind of, <laughs> kind of snooty and playing the bongos. And so... Um, I don't know. Like, I, I can see how really nothing happening can be disappointing and upsetting, but seeing Sheldon trying to figure out what his life is in the absence of any sort of meaningful framework, I don't know. It tickled me. I enjoyed it. I just, it's just such a lazy setup. I mean, even by the standards of this show, they were like, oh, what if he can't get his haircut the way he likes it this week and it causes him to have another, have a little meltdown? I mean, I just thought, I guess I just thought we were done with the Sheldon can't navigate normal life episodes. Those are always my least favorite. I don't know why, but I just get, I just, it's yeah. like, it's like watching a, a toddler have a meltdown only people keep insisting that the toddler having a meltdown is funny and i'm like it's not funny well and it's one of those things too that um is so easily like you you could do any example of thousands of what if sheldon did x and insert them at any point along the series you wanted to 
And it's kind of what happens here. You know, today it's like, what if Sheldon got a haircut or couldn't get a haircut, even though it does throw him into uh, an existential crisis for this episode? Uh, it's not really that well explored. It's not going to have any lasting impact. And, and probably next season there's going to be an episode, what if Sheldon's favorite shirt accidentally got well, it, you know, exactly. lost at the dry cleaner, and now he has to wear a blue shirt on Tuesday. What is he going to do? Well, I doubt we'll even have to wait till next season before we get another, like, what could Sheldon possibly get into this week kind of thing. And then, yeah, we also had uh, the Wallowitz and Bernie thing, which... Wallowitz uh, ex- re- reacts exactly how you would expect him to react to to astronaut training, which is his his sheepishness and his uh, soft belly uh, are, are terrible. He he talks about doing a zero gravity training and how um, when when you vomit um, in in zero gravity, sometimes it just floats around in a, a blob and goes right back into your mouth again. Uh, he also what I thought was, I thought he didn't get enough credit for this. Uh, he survives. He, well, he, I guess he's thrown into the wilderness for at least one night of uh, just wilderness survival training. And it sounds like there wasn't any training as much as there was just like he had to prove he could survive. Um, and he did. It sounds like it didn't go great for him. It sounds like he was traumatized because he had to eat a butterfly. But uh, it's, Wallowitz is really... Uh, doing his best and he's getting no credit for it and i wonder what the lesson is going to be here if there is one like is it going to be in another episode or two that like wallowitz is going to have to accept that he's just not astronaut material or is he going to overcome or i i don't know where it's going this is the suspense that keeps me wrapped up in this this never-ending thrill ride of a show i don't know Amy's still mad that Sheldon's not having sex with her. It's mentioned that they're a couple a couple of times, and uh, I asked again why they are a couple. Uh, Lenny, Leonard and Penny mentioned that they're trying dating again, and I was like, oh, I forgot that they are actually dating, and that wasn't yes. just from a dream sequence. That is another thing that's just... It's, I'm not, it's not that big a deal, but it is like funny that they're supposed to be in a relationship now, and they've changed nothing about the way that the characters are written. Like she, she doesn't even sit next to him. Oh, okay, okay. I wanna. I'm gonna interject something. Like I didn't just shit all over this episode. There was. Here's, and and it's when I'm annoyed with the show, then the things that it does that I like just annoy me more. Okay. There's a throwaway scene in this episode where apparently Leonard is teaching Penny to play chess. Yes. And she kicks his ass at chess like the very first game after she's taught him, implying that she is actually quite intuitively good at chess. And to be honest, why couldn't that have been the whole episode? Penny turns out to be a, a weird chess prodigy is a much, like, I that's I don't understand. That would be a good episode. Why, like, I don't understand the priorities of the writers of this show. Like... Of those two things they had on a whiteboard for ideas for jokes about this episode, they had Sheldon has a meltdown because he can't get his hair cut, and Penny is secretly like a world champion potential level chess player but doesn't know it and doesn't care and refuses to know learn the names of the pieces. Like, one of those is obviously more interesting and than the other. 
And Leonard refuses to acknowledge that she won. Yes! He like, just he can't bring himself to say that she yeah, beat him. Because Penny does not know the rules well enough to know that she won. She suspects that she won. And Leonard is just like, oh, well, you know, we'll figure that out some other time. Oh, you know, it's just so comp. And, uh, yeah, you could make a whole episode out of that. And it would be fun to see all the other nerds, like, struggle with having to accept that uh, Penny has some sort of talent that, that none of them... Uh, have themselves in spite of their their academic training but no throwaway joke and yeah and during the course of that joke like oh by the way we're dating just so you remember that this is still a show that had some sort of premise at some point yeah i don't know like i feel like ever since uh priya left that this the series has been unmoored like i don't think they figured out what they wanted to do with this season and we're just kind of coasting forward but also, we've been watching this show long enough now that I kind of feel like it's always just been this way. I don't know. <laughs> like, I'll watch other, you know, I'll watch a movie or it's other TV series that I like or something, and I get carried away by it. And maybe it's because, you know, at the rate we watch this, it's harder to do that. But I really don't, I don't know where the hell this is going anymore. I don't like, there's nothing I look forward to. Like the, the, the only thing that seems really to be consistently moving forward is, is Waldowitz's spaceman training. And that is, you know, relegated to being a, a barely put together B plot for some lukewarm jokes, you know, it's, and this isn't like harsh criticism. This is just. Like, I don't know. what's What the hell is the show doing right now? And this is like season five. This is probably when this show is really cooking. Or who knows? Maybe maybe uh, retrospectively this was a low point. But I, I don't know what the hell any of these characters are doing at this point. I don't either. And I'm just so tired. <laughs> well, you hear that, audience? You hear what we put ourselves through? This is... We're, we're questioning, again, our own motives and in, in our own uh w- w- whether we could feel passion for something that sorry i said like i i admittedly like i allowed a little bit more frustration to seep through in the hope that it would be entertaining for the audience to hear me being frustrated but i can tell i've i've only succeeded in making it into a bummer of an episode i think it maybe it couldn't be helped this is what art is this is our blue period which i don't like do you think at some point, someone said to Picasso, "You're in a lot of blue there, buddy." And he looked, and he's like, "What do you mean? Oh shit! Oh fuck! I had ooh, no one pointed it out before." Anything else no, about this episode? I don't think that's how Picasso worked, but I. Well, yeah, that's why I was asking. I didn't tell you that's how Picasso did it, Kyle. All right, it was amusing. I, uh, I'm not. I'm not Hannah Gadsby. If you want to ask someone who's apparently, apparently she's like an art history major. All right. I'm an English literature uh, major, which means that uh, if you you want me to give you a pretty rough definition of metonymy, I could maybe do it. I'd rather not do it right now. (laughs) I I mean, I guess it makes sense that you had to go to undergrad, like, in order to become a lawyer. But I just sort of assumed that, like... You were were drifting around in the wilderness and just wandered into, like, a law temple or however that works. I I, uh, I I meandered through through high school with uh, pretty pretty bad grades, uh, but I then I, I drifted into college, 
And growing up in Butte, Montana, we have a, a specific engineering branch of the state university. And so I started in environmental engineering uh, and had no interest in it. Switched over to the hippie school in the town I currently live in. Yeah, and got myself an English degree because I didn't know what else to do. And then I started doing just like random do-gooder stuff and went to law school uh, because I didn't know what else to do. And now I'm the person you see before you uh, who made a lot of poor choices as uh, exemplified by the my presence in this endeavor. But anything else about this show to, to discuss? No. What books did you read in college? What books did I read in college? Yeah, you were an English lit major. What'd they make you read? I don't know. Probably all sorts of hoity-toity garbage. Like um, Jane Austen or... Uh, I don't remember, like... Did you read, like, Middlemarch? I don't know. I, I had to... Well, uh... Thomas Hardy? Like, Mayor of <laughs> Casterbridge? What? I feel like there was... I, I remember specifically a little bit of Thomas Hardy, but... Well, I, I kind of crammed the whole... Because, like, my first two years were in engineering, and so then I crammed all of my humanities learning in my second two years, and so... I don't know. Engineering? Yeah. Are you good at math? Oh, yeah. God, I feel like I'm learning so... This was worth the price of this episode, just to get the deep dive on Nick Hyde. No, that was uh, that was the struggle going into college, was uh, I, I was... Uh, I think I had a natural inclination for the maths and sciences, but no actual interest in it. But not only uh, was my stepdad an engineer, but again... We lived in the town with the engineering school, and so it just made the most sense to go into engineering. But yeah, I gave no shit about it. And then when I switched over to, yeah, hippie liberal arts stuff, all of a sudden I was engaged and my uh, my grades skyrocketed and I was way less depressed. But I almost just walked the path of, uh, yeah, grinding out my, my physics and calculus and figuring out how to become an engineer. But it wasn't for me, so here I am now. I've I, literally oh, never seen you do math in my life. Well, you know, that's... Uh, I, I don't remember... The, the only thing I really remember about all the calculus I had to take is uh, that it's pretty helpful for figuring out the area under a curve. And uh, you'll be surprised at how rarely I need to know how to do that. So, I guess that makes sense. So you did a bunch of math, and then you read a bunch of books, but you can't remember any of the books that they must have made you read. Uh, yeah. I mean, just like anything else I've ever done, it just goes in and out, you know? Like, it, it left an impression on me. But, you know, it's just like, like in undergrad, you you know, you read, like, mostly textbooks. So you read the, we read the staples of early and late American English and uh, British... Wait, sorry, the early and late American and English literature, so... Uh, I've got oh, and I took uh, what uh, m- uh, medieval literature, and so there was like there was a lot of Chaucer a of, and the Decameron. A of Canterbury and, Tales, okay. Uh, there was Canadian literature. What? Uh, that's not a thing. There wasn't much of it. That's that's true, true enough. Uh, and then yeah, I did a bunch of Latin and linguistics and philosophy and all that stuff. Oh, man. And then that's There's on so top much- of all of my uh, my, my my calculus. And uh, my, my and if the the very first engineering class I had to take was called Mining 101, and it was the intro, introduction to engineering, and it was basically the the class to scare you out of becoming an engineer 
where they showed us like engineering disaster videos to impress upon us the importance of making structurally sound things. <laughs> we had we had to watch the guy who like designed the twin towers talk about how he could have done a better job. <laughs> Man, yeah, I treat you like such a dunce, and I'm sorry. You're a, you're a well educated, smart guy. Oh yeah, I mean, I have that kind of knowledge that isn't good for anything, and so I keep it to myself, uh, much like I should this podcast. <laughs> but since we have made it public, do we want to share with the public things that we actually enjoy, Kyle? Sure, after you. All right. Well, mine is uh, really easy to, to share this week because uh, I'm mired in it. I've been playing Shin Megami Tensei Three, and so far I love it. Uh, this is actually my first of the actual Shin Megami Tensei games. Uh, for those posers out there like me, uh, you may be for- more familiar with the Persona series, which is how I first got into these games. I started with Persona 3, which I remember playing because I randomly downloaded it on the PS3 uh, with the, P- the PS Plus service, and I ended up loving it. Um, and then I played 4 and 5. And then I found out that there was these were based on this other crazy Shin Megami Tensei series that's been around since like the 80s, and it's this whole big thing. And so, yeah, there have been mainline series uh, games for like 30 years now. That's crazy. But uh, 3 originally came out in like 2002, and HD Remaster was released about last year. And so it's great. Um, where the... And oh, just so it's about, it is a Japanese RPG. And where the Persona games, they have the, the battle side is a lot about uh, recruiting and fusing different demons together to make stronger demons. And you're usually uh, a bunch of teens or high schoolers, and your, your high school pals all have their own special dedicated demons that learn abilities. Um, and then a big. Uh, part of the Persona games, like an equal half of that game, is the social RPG side of it, where you meet people out in the world, and based on your connections to those people and how you develop your relationships, you get different benefits that help you uh, either in or outside of the dungeon, or with battles, or making demons, or whatever. And so uh, there's a big you know, social aspect on top of dungeon exploring. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei 3 doesn't deal with any of that high school bullshit. It's, you, you You are a high schooler, but one of your teachers is like, hey, meet me at this hospital. You go to the hospital, it's abandoned. She says, hey, you know what? The world's going to end soon. And you're like, how soon? And she's like, about five minutes, as a matter of fact. And then it does. And then you wake up and someone's like, hey, guess what? You're a demon now. And everything is crazy because we're in a demon world. Go mix up some demons together. And so there, there is plot. There are characters. <laughs> but it is very stripped down and straightforward. You do not have character companions like in the Persona games. Instead, you directly recruit all of these other random demons. And so it's it's basically just the recruitment and fusion part of the Persona games minus any of the social stuff, and it's a much more straightforward experience. So if you're into that, great. If you like the social stuff, maybe this isn't for you. But uh, I'm having a blast. It's uh, I realized, though... That this is basically my Pokemon. 
the demons in these games that you can recruit are basically they they just keep using the same I don't know hundred or so demons that they've been using since this series originated in like the late eighties. <laughs> Um, yes, and, and I, I suck at all of them, so I, I am, like, intimately familiar with, like, the first ten in the registry, and then after that I have no idea. Yeah, well, it's it's one of those things it's where... It's like Imp, Half-Naked Cat Dominatrix Lady, Jack Frost, and then after that I have no idea. Yeah, and so it's it's weird to, on the one hand, be playing a game where so much of it is familiar, but at the same time... I mean, I do love it. It's it's an interesting way to do it. It's a fun system. And so I guess I'm not going to let the world make me feel bad about that. No one out there is going to make me feel bad about loving Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne HD Remaster. Okay? So yeah, try it out. If you like Final Fantasy, but you're sick of it, this give this a try. Kyle, your turn. I'm glad. I remember when I was reading about the newest Shin Megami Tensei, I was like, and it was like, this is a game for if you like obsessively customizing your characters and their attacks, you know, and making, and every little stat, you know, just to make sure that they have the right elemental buffs and weaknesses for the bosses that you're going to fight. And if you like an incredibly, incredibly intense difficulty curve in the fights, I was like, this sounds like what Nick has been waiting for. Yeah, I'm like... I'm gonna wait to buy five, but it's also one of those things where, like, I'm I'm definitely gonna buy it. It's, I I, I after every time I play a video game, I'm like, I gotta play fewer video games, but the the queue is longer than I have time on this earth. So what are you gonna do? All right. So my recommendation. Um, also, there's gonna be a new uh, new outbreak of the pandemic pretty soon, so you'll have plenty of time to stay inside and play video games. Wait, do, do you mean new beyond Omicron? Or no, I think that I think that apparently this Omicron thing is about to get pretty about as bad as things were back in March again. So oh, yeah. everything will shut down. Yeah, it's not looking great. On that fun note, <laughs> my uh, my recommendation for this week, I was sort of I I'm just gonna I haven't been doing much, but I'll tell you what I've been watching. I've been watching a lot of Dimension Twenty. So Dimension Twenty was sorry, I'm trying to figure out the right trajectory. So College Humor. Uh, is a website that was is known mostly for its funny sketch videos. Well, I think some people think they're funny. I'm sure that's subjective. Nick is a grumpy old man. It's possible he doesn't find very many I of them like funny. I like some of their videos. <laughs> yes, you have high standards. But anyway, it's a it's one of several different internet comedy sketch sites. And then um, I don't know if it was at the same time or shortly before. But uh, they launched a streaming service, I think mostly because they needed a, a more reliable form of revenue than, like, clickbait and ads. And also they, like, got sold. So basically they got sold out from what wh- under whoever was originally funding them, and they decided they were going to have to, like, independently produce more content. So they started their own streaming service called Dropout, which is, you know, old college humor sketches and videos, and also a bunch of random content that they could make fairly quickly and easily one of which was jumping on a bandwidth that was it's still a big deal but it was it was just catching on a few years ago which was basically live playing D. so uh the one of the basically a bunch of the regular cast and regular writers and comedians at college humor they are all sitting around and they play various D campaigns so it's what makes it different from all the other actual play like 
live TV shows out there, really nothing. It's just that, <laughs> like, if you've seen one, there's a sense in which you've seen them all. But I like these because uh, for the I do find the group very funny. So I it focuses a lot just on like sort of the a lighter hearted and more humorous tone in all of the games that I've watched so far. They've done like they've already done like you know 140 hours of content or whatever. You've broken out over multiple seasons with different characters and adventures. In all the ones that I've watched so far, the dungeon master has been Brennan Lee Mulligan and he's great and his NPCs are always delightful and funny and then the the group uh, it's a regular cast, although they do they bring in rotating extras like for like mini arcs in between. But the regular cast is always fun, and basically, so they do a bunch of role playing, and then usually like one big arena battle per episode. But yeah, I just it's it's nice, it's comforting. You can stream it to your TV now if you get a dropout subscription. And uh, I think what I like most about it is that like the characters are all really like super nice to each other, like. This, the show is fundamentally like sort of lighthearted and jokey and it's but, not too surly and people aren't cutting each other down and being nasty no and i mean in most life in most games you can tell that the people like each other and they want to play on like they're all on the same team but like some mostly as an aesthetic choice some D games you know if they're set in a more dark and gritty universe then it's like the characters feel compelled to be like slightly you know, grittier, harder, more mistrusting people. But, sure. but in the like in these, the characters are pretty like kind of silly and absurd. Although they're they're always interesting, and the sets are usually the board that they use and the sets they create. So like the ep- season I'm watching uh, right now is the Unsleeping City, which is set in real New York, but there's also a secret magical New York. You know, it's like your classic like you know inside. New York, there's another magical New York full of magical characters and creatures and things. And so, like, the cast is playing, like, a, you know, a middle-aged divorcee from Long Island who inexplicably knows kung fu and, like, a a vapid but incredibly decent-hearted, like, firefighter who is ripped and has zero brains and, you know, like, a sentient rat. And so they're just, oh, and, and like, an 800-year-old Broadway singer. Nobody knows she's 800 years old, but she's a fairy, I think, is what it's going to turn out. So anyway, so they're all on the same team, and they're all, like, they're all, like, role-playing through trauma and supporting each other and, like, you know, trying to, like, be super hyped and positive. So I just, I find it, it's basically if you just want to watch a bunch of people, if you're not, like, a sports guy or something like that, and you just want to watch a bunch of people who are generally pretty friendly and nice sitting around a table you know, being cool. It's a good way. It's something good to have on in the background while you're doing other things. That sounds delightful. And I got the, the name of the, the, the network was dropout. What was the name of the specific show again? It's dimension 20, which I believe if you don't want to, uh, if you don't want to get dropout right away, I think a lot of the episodes they put up on YouTube, I think it's just like specific ones. I think it's just newer ones that they, that aren't available on YouTube. All right, so we've got uh, Pokemon for edgy JRPG fans, and we've got a uh, Dungeons and Dragon uh, live play for people who actually want to enjoy themselves and have a nice time. 
That sounds so cozy. You know, that's what we should do is start, we should start promoting a very serious cozy aesthetic. Aesthetic. I think we're way behind the times on that one. The other people have already gone in with their cute earnestness that they, they've made a brand, but it's not too late for us. We can always be like the second or third wave of people coming out that are just like, hey, everyone, like, not only did we earn it, like, actually give this show at least an eight out of 13 on our scale, but we're both wearing sweaters that are kind of nice today. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I'd I don't know any sweaters, that. though, so I'd have to start that, I guess. Yeah, it, let's change all of our branding and become suddenly inexplicably positive and supportive. I'm doing this next episode. You've heard it right now. I'm committing to it. This is my new thing for the entire new year. Sorry, world. New Year's resolution calling it Positive Nick Hyde. I give it, I give it like four hours, but. All right. I give it 52 weeks. See you in 2023, sad guys. Happy Nick Hyde around for all of 2022. 2022, no more blue. That's what I say. I don't mean it politically, or maybe I do. Who knows? (laughs) Where is this going? Oh, God, what have I done? Cut, 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 cut.